Welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Net. Um, we are about 20 games into the NBA season now, so we thought it'd be a good time, about a fourth of the way through, uh, to, to check in and have a couple of topics we want to discuss. And I, myself, Evan, the host, am joined by Nick today. No David, as he's as he's on vacation out in Seattle, so hope he's enjoying that. Um, but we'll just get right into it. So for our tip-off, we'll start with that, and that's going to be previewing some of our biggest news stories that we're going to discuss today in the NBA. So I think one of the biggest things so far early in the season that a lot of people have been talking about is the in-season tournament. Um, and as we're recording, the knockout round starts tonight. It's actually start. It's going on right now, the Celtics Pacers game. Um, so we will see how, how that goes there with the in-season tournament. We'll talk about, you know, our own thoughts on it as well, how we've liked it so far. And then we'll go a little bit into some of our biggest surprises, and then our biggest disappointments of the season so far. Um, but we'll continue with our normal format here on the show, which starts with our first quarter segment. Um, and that's our who's hot and who's not segment. So if you haven't seen before, each of us talk about one team and one player who's been hot, playing really well since the last time we recorded, and one who's not or playing very poorly. Um, so I'll let you start off, Nick. What team um, did you want to talk about that has been hot since our last spot here? Um, I, I don't. I think probably both of us might have the same one on this one. I don't know. I don't think we've talked, but I don't know. I, I feel like the team wise, the oh. Timber Timberwolves have been on fire. Like that's. Uh, I feel like that's probably the right. the clear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think I try to remember back to our. Um, are conjoined like uh standings for them and i don't think that we had them up this you know at number one at all yeah i have it pulled up here i had them at 10 you had them at nine and david had them at nine so <laughs> yeah yeah definitely a, a big surprise i think the big thing is is just anthony edwards taking that next step you know i think we thought that would happen but maybe we all felt that the rest of the squad around him wasn't good enough, but he seemed to be able to elevate a lot of those guys. Cats seemed to really kind of settle into that second fiddle kind of role. Um, and I think that's best for him. I, I do think he's a really good player. I think he kind of got a little bit more flack than maybe what he deserved, but he was never a guy that could be a number one. And now that they have a number one guy, I think that suits him better. Um, you know, Rudy Gobert just playing defense and, and rebounding the ball. That's pretty much what he's good at. I don't know if I would have given up as much as I would have. But, uh, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, they're first right now. They only have four losses. That's uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, Yeah, that's probably, like, my team right now. I think uh, I think probably my, my player that I'm, I'm going to stay in the West, and I'm going to go with – with Zion, I know they're only 11 and 10, but I just think, you know, as they continue to get healthier, he just, he's one of those guys that, um, 
with his physicality and, and just his skill set, um, he's as long as he's healthy, he's impressive and, and he's been pretty hot too as well. And I think that's the only reason that they are around 500 is because he has been playing so well. Um, but this Pelicans team has to figure out how to stay healthy for a full season. I think that we need that as basketball fans. We need to see what Zion can do. We need to see what Brandon Ingram can do. And yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, and it, it's interesting because Zion's actually been healthy so far, but then they've had a ton of other other injuries. CJ mm-hmm. McCollum that collapsed lung, which is like his second one in two years. Um, he's they're starting to get everybody back now, but that he he missed some time. I think Brandon Ingram missed some time. I know Jose Alvarado missed the start of the season. Trey Murphy, one of their best shooters, missed a lot of time. I think Larry Nance missed a little bit of time. So they've had a lot of guys in and out, but Zion has been consistent for them to start the season. And you're right. he I think he's been a big part of them staying kind of afloat, even with a lot of key injuries to some of their role players. And I think especially in the past week or so, they've kind of caught their stride a little bit. Um, and so it'll be interesting to to see where they go from there. So I think that's a great pick with with Zion. And like you said, hopefully we can continue to see him stay healthy. Um, so we can kind of see, you know, where this team can go. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit in a later segment, but they were able to, to play well in their in-season tournament games. So they are one of those uh, four teams out West that's going to have a shot at it. So, you know, now that they're getting their guys back, maybe they can make a run at the in-season tournament. And then, you know, maybe that gives them some momentum to continue their run throughout the season. Um, but I like, I like your team pick a lot too. It actually wasn't my my pick for my team, which I'll talk about in a second, but definitely probably my second choice with the Timberwolves. I don't think, like we said, none of us expected them to be up there. And I think it just shows sometimes that sometimes these, like something you think is going to work well, um, it just takes time. Like I think even when, even though the price aside of Ruby Gobert, I think a lot of people thought, him coming in was going to have a really immediate success effect on their defense. And they were okay defensively last year. They got better as they went, but definitely could tell they had, you know, especially Carl Anthony Towns, some of their not as good defensor defenders had some time adjusting to playing with him. And now that they're all playing well together, they all seem to know their roles, which I think is important too. You know, they're they're really um, they're really rolling right now. And they've had some big wins too. not just being at the top of the West, but they've beaten the Nuggets. They've beaten the Celtics um, and they actually were the first loss for both those teams on the season. So um, they've been a great team to watch so far. They've been exciting. They've been fun to watch. You know, they're still young. Rudy Gobert is seemingly back right up in the defensive player of the year conversation again, probably the favorite right now because I think they have the best defense in the league currently, the Timberwolves. So, yeah, I mean, they, I think I think they have had a really good start to the season, and it it seems like it can be at least somewhat sustainable. I don't know, you know, into the playoffs how far, how far they will get, but it seems like their regular season, they will have a lot of success, at least in my opinion, from watching them. And I'll, I'll transition over to mine, which is kind of, the Eastern Conference version of the Timberwolves maybe even more surprising, and in my opinion, which my hot team was the Orlando Magic. Yeah, um, I just I was just thinking that too. I was like, that was <laughs> I, they were probably like my second team because I I was like I kind of almost I like almost kind of forgot about them there for a second, but yeah, that's pretty crazy that they're that they're up there. 
Where do yeah. you know where we had them in our standings? Yeah, I feel I'll, like I'll... we were pretty high on them, and David and I weren't. Yeah, well, none of us were particularly high, so I had them at ten. Oh, maybe um, it was a different team then. And you had them down at fifteen, so you had them at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, and David had them at thirteen. So okay, none of us were particularly high on them. Interesting, um, but. Just a, a couple short stats on them. They are nine and one in their last ten games. They were on a seventh game streak for a little while until they did lose to the Nets. I think it was last night. Um, but a lot of that is behind their defense. They have the fourth best defense in the league right now and fourteenth best offense, which isn't amazing, but it gives them a total of the seventh best net rating in the league right now. Um, like I said, they're up at the two seed in the East, which I don't think any of us expected. It's still early, but it's not like we're five games in, you know, we're about a quarter of the way through the season. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit substantial. And to me, it's been interesting because it's kind of really been a group effort. You know, of course they're led by Paulo Bancaro and Franz Wagner. Both of those guys are scoring over 19 points a game, but everyone's kind of playing their role really well. Anthony Black, their rookie has been playing really solid. He's been starting. Cole Anthony is just scoring like crazy off the bench. He's looking like a sixth man of the year candidate right now. Surprisingly, I did not expect this. Jalen Suggs, who kind of a lot of people had already written off out of Gonzaga as potentially a bust. He's become like a real defensive menace. And now he's, you know, playing really well defensively, guarding the best guard on each team every night. And even uh, Goga Batatze, who, you know, has really bounced around the league, was out of the league for a while. Rendell Carter Jr. has been hurt for the last few weeks and he's been starting as a center and he doesn't look out of place um, on a good team. So, like I said, I'm not sure if they'll keep this up for the whole season or not, but they look really good right now. And and they're really a fun team to watch, too. They're a young team. You know, Paolo is going to get up and have some good dunks. Franz is going to shoot the ball well. Um, and then, like, of course, Cole Anthony is just going to be um, – kind of like that Jordan Clarkson type role or that Lou William type role of just getting those points off the bench. And I mean, they're, they're very young, but um, also I want to give credit to their coach, Jamal Mosley, who, who was just awarded the Eastern conference coach of the month. I think that's definitely well-deserved. And I do think if they keep up this success, he's definitely going to be up in that coach of the year race. Um, You know, if they, if they are able probably even to make the top six, I think, you have to consider him as coach of the year just based on the turnaround that this young team has had. Um, but for my player um, that I thought was hot, I went with De'Aaron Fox, who was last year's clutch player of the year. Um, and the reason I went with that is he missed a few or a handful of games early and the Kings kind of struggled in those games where he was out, but he has been truly amazing. And the team has been really good since his return. He's kind of the real engine that runs their offense. In the last five games specifically, he's averaging 31.4 points per game, 8.6 assists per game, 5.4 rebounds, and shooting almost 50%, 49.1% from the field, and 36.1% from three. And that was always kind of his weakness, was he didn't have the best three-point shot. That's a pretty good and respectable percentage, especially when he's one of the fastest players in the league. And so a lot of people will tend to stay back on him a little bit because they don't want to get beat. And then all of a sudden now you're back on him and he's going to shoot a three in your face and splash it. Um, so he's been really impressive. He's actually won two Western conference player of the week awards out of, I think the f- four or five weeks so far. Um, so that kind of 
is just giving him his his accolades. Um, and, and talking about even with Sacramento, they're up at the four seed right now. And I think a lot of us had them stepping back a little bit. If I look at our preseason rankings, um, David actually was very high on them. He had them at number two. So um, David's doing well on that. I had them at number five and Nick, you had them at number seven. Um, and I think a lot of the conversation from, from a lot of people going into the season was, oh, you know, this young team, they might take a step back a little bit. Um, you know, last season could have been, you know, especially with the way they went out, although it was a seven game series against the Warriors, a lot of people weren't sure if it was going to last. And so far they've played really well. And I think De'Aaron Fox is a big part of that. So i um, been very impressed with him so far, so far to start the season. Um, and we'll switch over and transfer over to the not hot side of things. Um, and some of these could be could be somewhat predictable, but um, I'll allow you to go with your team, Nick, and then, then you can go on to player um, if you have one for who is who has not been hot, um, you know, since we last recorded a few weeks back now. Yeah, a, my uh, team and then the, the my player will play for that team. But I think for me, I, I wasn't like super high on this team, but I thought that they would be a little bit. Um, better than maybe what they have been, but it's going to be the Wizards and Jordan Poole. And I don't think Jordan Poole's played, like, awful, but mostly it comes from this, like, dysfunction in the locker room and just his his ego. Um, I think that's the biggest thing with me is just, uh, I, I don't know, I, I feel like this team should be a little bit higher up you know, I know there's other teams that we could have talked about. Like, I know that the Hawks are kind of disappointing, but that seems kind of on par for them. Um, other teams that have kind of been disappointing for me are like the Hornets, and I didn't really think that they would struggle like this. I know LaMelo's been playing pretty well, but maybe it's the supporting cast. Obviously, the Bulls, I don't know if that's just – we kind of had this conversation before the season started with them. Like, it kind of seems on par for them. Um, kind of like the Hawks, like they have the roster to compete, but they just don't seem to be able to. Um, so it might be time for both of those rosters to maybe make some uh, drastic changes. Um, but the Wizards are going to be the most disappointing for me, just because I, like I said, I don't, I don't really understand where the egotistical mindset came from with with Kyle Kuzma. He didn't really seem like that kind of a guy. Um, maybe Jordan Poole's brought that out in him. But I guess we can maybe clearly start pointing at like, hey, Draymond Green shouldn't have punched him in the face, but maybe Jordan Poole's <laughs> running his mouth a little bit too much because it does seem like he's saying some crazy things, like all that stuff coming out of the locker room where he's like, oh, this is my team and you guys have to vault. And I'm like, bro, you need to chill out. Like, just go out there and, and ball. Like, I don't understand. All you had to do was just go, just go ball out. Like, you're not Steph Curry. We know that. You know that. Stop acting crazy. Like, I don't – I get it. I think I think that championship has kind of gotten to his head. Um, but I, I don't know. that For me, that's just kind of the most disappointing team right now. Like I said, it's not even necessarily that I didn't really expect them to be, like, great. I definitely expected them to be a little higher, maybe in that, like, 8 to 11 range um, with the rest of those teams that are there, obviously the Cavs are there. We don't want them to be there, but, <laughs> um, but in that eight to 11 range, I kind of thought they would be there, but I don't know. 
it's just it's just a weird weird season all around for them and just weird things coming out of there and I just I don't know I I think the Wizards at the very least were hoping that Jordan Poole would play well maybe they could sell high on him at the trade deadline and I just feel like he's kind of it's kind of ruining that for the Wizards and then for him to maybe get into a spot where he can compete for a championship this year yeah yeah they've been very rough and I definitely thought I didn't think the Wizards were going to be particularly good um, like you said, but I did think that Jordan Poole was going to play well. I thought he was going to score well, and he's been pretty inefficient, not shooting the ball well. He also is like, he has, he's kind of becoming the new, like, Shaq and a fool guy, like JaVale McGee, where every game or like every night, pretty much, if you look for it on social media, you can see just a highlight where you're like, what is he doing? Like, <laughs> what does he even have a brain? Um, like, I remember the one I remember specifically is, they were playing against the Pistons, which I believe they actually won. Um, but it was Asar Thompson guarding him, and he did a pump fake, and he went way past him. And instead of just taking the open shot, for some reason he went, like, took a step in towards the other defender and just got completely blocked, where he was completely wide open, but for some reason felt the need to to take another step, do a little bit too much, and then just got, like, blocked into the fifth row. <laughs> and it's like, he's just... Again, I think a big part of it is just he's just trying to do too much right now. Um, and I think that's a large part of the Wizards. I think him and, and Kyle Kuzma are a little bit in the same boat there. Um, but additionally, I agree in terms of the the Hornets. I know um, I remember you were pretty high on them coming into the season. I know you when I looked back, you had them at the fifth seed, actually. Um, so they have not gotten up to that standard by any means. Um, Lamelo is is doing still playing all right. It's just and Brandon Miller is not playing even bad. It's just kind of not all coming together for them. It seems like. Um, and then I, I like that you talked about the Bulls, and it actually lends into my um, player who's not hot. And I actually have two players, um, and that's Demar Derozan and Zach Levine for the Bulls right now. Um, they're the Bulls are not good in general. I think they're seven and fourteen. They're not good in general right now. Like you said, we talked about it before the season. I think it's kind of time for them to, to move on from this current core. But they're seemingly also better without their two best, two best quote-unquote, players. Um, looking at some of the numbers, in the past 10 games, the Bulls are a minus 10.4 whenever DeRozan is on the court. So they're getting outscored by 10.4 points when DeRozan's on the court and outscored by 6.3 points when Levine is on the court, which is – pretty bad for those being your two best players, your two best scorers. And also Zach Levine's been out for the past two games. And interestingly enough, the Bulls have had their two best games probably of the season. They beat the Pelicans as well as the Bucks. Um, and so, and, and they said that Zach Levine's has foot soreness. And so now he's going to be out for, you know, a week or two. I'm not convinced that it's not just like, Hey, we're we're holding him out until we're able to trade him at this point because um, they have there it has been confirmed that he's on the the trade market and that they're listening to offers. But at this point, I think everyone's kind of just waiting for them to to blow it up and you know potentially move some pieces and kind of tank and um, you know they can keep some of their young guys like Patrick Williams and see what they have in some of those guys and then kind of move on from this this older core because. Ever since Lonzo Ball, who seemingly is not going to be back anytime soon, ever since he's gotten hurt, it has just not worked with with their big two and I guess big three if you count Vucevic in there. 
Um, but it, 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 especially to start this season, it's been really rough for them. Um, but for my team, um, I kind of, I kind of had two obvious ones and I went with two cause I thought you might pick the most obvious, but you didn't. So I guess talk about both of them, I guess. Um, and the most obvious one for me is, is the Detroit Pistons. They have lost 17 games in a row at the time of, we are recording this, um, which is absolutely crazy. Um, their pieces really just aren't fitting together right now, which is interesting because some of their pieces haven't been bad. Like, especially Marcus Sasser has been impressive for them as a rookie. Asar Thompson's been good. It just doesn't fit together right now. I think that's because around Cade Cunningham, who's not a great shooter himself, they don't have any good shooters. And um, they have Bogdanovich, Bojan Bogdanovich, but he's he's been out. He hasn't played at all to start the season. And so I think it's just kind of they don't really – there's no spacing, which makes it really hard. And I think, um, you know, we as Cavs fans kind of saw that when we had um, in that Knicks series last year where seemingly we didn't have any spacing of our own. Um, but it, it, that makes it really tough, especially when you only really have one kind of lead guard in Kate Cunningham. But the the stat that I found, or I guess the just the record that I found extremely crazy is since the All-Star break last year, they are four and thirty-nine. They've only won four games since February of last year, um, which is averages out to about a nine percent win percentage. So, not even one of every ten games they've been they've been winning. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I we got to um, I, we went and watched the in-season tournament tournament game between them and and the Cavs like back on November seventeenth. And a lot of the things you're saying is very true. Like Cade Cunningham is a really good player. I think if he had a better supporting cast around him, guys that could shoot a little bit better, like you were saying, I think that they would perform a lot better. But, you know, we didn't even have Donovan Mitchell in that game. Um, you know, Darius Garland was kind of the guy that Darius Garland and, and Max Struess were the two that kind of took over scoring in that game. Max Struess had like a crazy poster. Um, I don't know if you saw that or not, but that was fun to watch in person. Um, that was like, <laughs> I didn't think that he had that in his bag, but that, uh, that was a fun thing to watch. I think the Pistons, like the reason I didn't say that I was disappointed in them was because I, I'm not surprised that they're where they're at. I think, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go, well, it's the Pistons, but I, I think it, it is very much like for some reason, the inability to build a squad that works together and they haven't been able to do that in a really long time. And I don't know what they do. I don't know what you, where you go from here. Um, because you kind of look at the Oklahoma city thunder, which their, their pieces are, are playing really well together right now. And, you know, having them sit in that second spot in the West. And, and that's a, that's a model that the Pistons, I think kind of obviously didn't have as many picks, but, you know, they kind of tried to go forward with that kind of model, like just have a, as many picks as you can, you know, try to put together the most young guys on a team, build that talent up. And it just hasn't really worked out. And I just don't know. I don't know what they do. I don't know who they go out and get, you know, it, it's really unfortunate. Cause like, I think we both said like Kate Cunningham's a really good player. You know, he, um he really seems like to be their only offense, a consistent offense, at least. So I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a very weird thing. 17 games in a row is, is rough. And like you said, what, four and 39 since the all-star break last year, like 
I, I guarantee a lot of these losses are just, they just get down, you know, close to double digits or double digits. And they, they kind of just are like, Oh, well, here's, here we go again. Here's another night, you know? And I, I think that this mentality that is just kind of going through the locker room. And sometimes you need to, um, you need to change that mentality by bringing in, it could be something useless, like going out and get somebody like Patrick Beverly or something like that, that is not really going to help you win per se play wise. Cause your team's not really there, but it'll help the mentality of that team. Cause he's somebody like that's going to come in and be like, we're not losing. You know what I mean? Like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to think that way. We're going to go out there and play hard. And, and this is like, we talk about, I think we talked about this beginning. Um, like when we did the episode, maybe like a month ago, it was like, these young teams that are playing super fast right now should have the advantage over some of these other teams that maybe aren't as young or ha- or have more, you know, cohesiveness. You know, they're a little bit more skill driven. Like these teams should be should be more successful at the beginning of the season. You know, you talk about like a team like the Magic, um, who are definitely a younger team. They're a lot faster. Like I think the Thunder are benefiting from that especially as well too. I think that was one of the reasons I, I had them so high up in the rankings because I thought they would get a pretty good lead on everybody by just doing that. Um, you know, the Kings are still, they're not like super young, but they still have some young pieces there and they're playing fast basketball. Um, so I just think that, that you see that and you would think that the Pistons would be able to do that. And maybe they still would be towards the bottom of the table, but not dead last. Like that's, I don't know, but I think I did have them towards the bottom of the East anyway. Maybe I had them at the bottom, but I don't know. 17 games in a row is rough. <laughs> yeah, it, it is very rough. And um, again, I, I agree with you. I don't, I didn't have high expectations for them, but I wanted to see them at least somewhat improve off of last year. And right now they're looking even worse than last year. If it was, if it was possible, um, I was actually also at that, that same Cavs game, Cavs Pistons game. Uh, so really? yeah, it was, yeah, I oh we didn't gosh. talk about, that, but yeah, that Max Huge dunk definitely was electric. That was awesome. Um, but yeah, it just was like Kate Cunningham actually played well in that game. They just didn't have the supporting pieces. I think even like Marvin Bagley played okay, but it's like they just that's also a problem. I think they just have too many centers and they try to play them all, and they have Bagley and Wiseman and. Duran is really like they're young. They're, he was a rookie last year. He played really well with Cade, and they should just kind of focus on that. But they have so many centers and they have so many guards. They need to just like fi- find out who their guys are, which I think, you know, Cade Cunningham, I think Jaden Ivey should be up there. Um, Sasser has played pretty well. And then, you know, I think they just need to figure out who their centers and who their guards are and make some kind of moves if possible to just kind of even out the roster. It's like they have a lot of guards and a lot of centers and it just doesn't fit. any. I mean, there's, there's a team not too far away in Chicago that might be willing to give up a wing player by the name of Zach Levine (laughs) that uh, would, would be maybe sit next. He'd be good sitting next to Cade Cunningham. He can shoot um, and he can score on his own. You know what I mean? So I'd give them another scoring piece. I, I don't know how, that would help them, you know. I don't think Zach Levine's awful defensively, but he's not definitely like gonna take on the the hardest assignment every single night. So I think that that would be, like you said, that that would clear the log jam. Maybe they can get rid of a couple guards, a couple centers, and they wouldn't have to give up as many picks. 
um, because the Bulls would be kind of looking at that point to rebuild. um, And that would help give Cade, you know, some more help on the wing at least. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't do it, like you said, if you have to give up much of anything, because if I'm them, you know, at this point, the season's already kind of down the drain. And so you want to keep your picks, you want to keep everything there. But there's also been a lot of talk that the trade market's not very high for for Levine and DeRozan right now. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get one of them in for for, for cheap, basically, and kind of just have some scoring, some veteran presence on the team, you know, might be good for them. Um, but I did want to also mention the other the other team, and no one's really talking about them because the Pistons have been so bad. Um, and, and I hate to say it, but the Spurs, they've also lost 14 games in a row. <laughs> they have also been, been very bad. They had an okay start to the season. Um, and, and Victor Wembanyama, he's been good, but they just haven't had much else at all. They've been running Jeremy Sohan at point guard this year, who really is a power forward, which it, it just has not been working. They tried kind of an experiment. Greg Popovich said, oh, it's going to be an experiment season, which I can understand, but it really hasn't worked at all. Um, and I think like at this point, you want to pair Wembenyama up with at least some kind of true point guard who can get him the ball, who can kind of, he can work on his pick and roll just to develop him a little better. And although they, um, you know, are, have a better record than the Pistons, I actually found it interesting as I was looking at the the stats they're actually getting outscored by 12.1 points per 100 possession while the Pistons are only getting outscored by 8.7. So the Pistons, I guess, are, you know, and, and they have had some close games, but the Spurs really seem to be getting blown out of the water in the games that they're losing, where um, at least the Pistons, some of the games are keeping it close. I think we saw that, um, not the game we went to, but against the Cavs on Saturday, I think it was, Pistons actually kept it close against the Cavs um, before the Cavs pulled away at the end. So definitely, um, unfortunately, wanted to to call out the Spurs as well for just not not being good, especially since our last podcast. I think we talked about them being somewhat surprising, David and I, last time um, because they looked somewhat good to start the season. But it is it has been really rough for them as well. And, and even though it's not 17, 14, win, 14 losses in a row is, is not something to sneeze at either. So um but yeah, you know, moving on from from that, we'll we'll transition into our second quarter segment, um, which is where we talk about our home team here, the Cleveland Cavaliers. So just a little bit of broad updates on them before we get into more in depth thoughts. They are eleven and nine right now. They're tied with the Miami Heat for the seventh seed. Um, as we mentioned last episode, and it really hasn't gotten a whole lot better until very recently. They've had a lot of injuries to start the season. A lot of key guys being out. Garland's been out. Allen's been out. Mitchell's been out at times. Um, Aquaro's been out at times. Hilvert's, I think, been out. So I actually saw um, uh, a tweet that the Cavs have had zero games where they haven't had someone on the someone out. Now, um, and that's even not including Ricky Rubio, who's away from the team, um, you know, dealing with with personal issues. But even outside of him, they've had at least one player out for every game. And most of the time, it's been multiple players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're kind of, I would say myself, still, I still feel like they're kind of incomplete. I think it's still hard to judge them right now, just based on the fact that they have had so many guys out of games due to injury. But they've also had some games where they've looked really good. They've had wins against the Sixers. They've had wins against the Nuggets. 
which they looked very, very good in. And then a couple games ago, they lost to the Trailblazers. So <laughs> it's really just been a mixed bag so far. And I'm excited, hopefully, now that they're getting everyone healthy to see if they can start to really build some momentum and climb up the standings a little bit. Because like you said earlier, we don't want to see them down in that that playing range. Um, that's just can be so nerve wracking when it can be a one and done type situation like that. We saw that a couple of years ago with with the Cavs. Um, we want to definitely want to see them getting into the playoffs, but that's kind of my thoughts on them. Just just broadly, I still think it's like I said, kind of incomplete. But um, what what thoughts do you have so far in this this start to the season? Basically, first twenty games for the for the Cavs so far. I don't know. I I think you said it best. Like it's it's tough to kind of tell what's going on. I think my biggest thing is like I I like the additions that we made in the offseason. I think Struess and, and Niang, like definitely two guys that are helping, um, especially Struess at, at the guard position. It's it's tough. Like you said, there's been lots of injuries. I can't think of what is the um what's the, the point guard's name that uh is on two way contract. Oh, Craig Porter. Junior. Yeah, Craig Porter. There you go. He is someone like when he we watched. I was watching that when we were at that Pistons game. Sorry, um, mm-hmm. I was like I was very impressed with how he was playing. I, I think um, when you kind of talk about his path to the NBA, it's a lot. You know, it, it's just very interesting about how he's been able to kind of develop and mm-hmm. and be in that lineup um, and kind of be contributing the way that he's contributed. So I like that. I do think that as a team, we're a little bit guard heavy um, and we don't have enough wing presence. Like mm-hmm. I think Okoro is a good like wing defender when he's healthy, um, but scoring wise, it's just not, it's just not there. And Niang's like, he's a good off the bench guy, but he can't be, he can't be like your primary, like wing scorer. Mm-hmm. Like that just, <laughs> I know Karis Levert plays that three spot. Um, a lot more than probably what he should, but it's just, I, I think we'll have trouble winning a championship until we get a true like wing guy. Um, so I don't really know how they go about doing that. I don't know who they go look at getting. Um, I don't know who they have to give up. That's, that's the other thing is like, do you really have the assets to give up to go get somebody like that? Um, the other thing that is just, that I kind of look at, you know, the stats this year, like Donovan Mitchell is averaging 27 points a game. Um, awesome. Phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. that's what you need for him. But Darius Garland only averaging 19. I know I say only, but mm-hmm. you need him to average like probably 24 points a game too. Cause you don't really have anybody else on this team that has the ability to really score like that. Like Evan Mobley, 16 points a game. That's awesome. You need that. But he's not really a guy at this point in his career where I think he's mm-hmm. going to be able to get you in the 20s. Um, but he's going to he's gonna get you a double-double. He's going to get you double-digit points, double-digit rebounds. Like That's what you need him to do. Um, Jared Allen is a similar guy, a little bit less points, but he should get you close to that 10 rebounds a game. Like That's what you get from those two guys, and that's awesome. Defensively, rebound wise that's what you need mm-hmm. but you need Darius Garland to step up and score some more points and then i think that'll help out but again you need you need a wing player like you need something i don't know 
I always I keep racking my brain about who's even like gettable at this point. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the biggest thing. I mean, obviously you you'd love to be like, oh, let's go get Zach Levine, but what does that cost? And then contract wise, who do you mm-hmm. got to give up to bring him in? Like that doesn't kind of does that make any sense? Like, is there another guy out there? Like, because really you don't need you don't necessarily need like a defender you need a score that's what you need you need a third guy that can really score the basketball um and i just don't i just don't really know who's there what's there to go get and i just i think this team needs to be healthy and like you said i think we need to see what this team looks like healthy especially at least the top like seven guys on the roster mm-hmm. you know what i mean like porter's cool like i i, I you know love watching him play but you know, Coral, Niang, Allen, Struess, Levert, Mobley, Garland, Mitchell. Like, we need to see all those guys healthy together yeah. and playing um, and see what that really looks like for at least maybe a 20-game span and see if that's what's going to work, you know, for the rest of the season or if they need to make a tweak um, at the trade deadline. I do think that's where that's at. The other thing is I would like to see Imani Bates more. I thought mm-hmm. he had a pretty good preseason. Um, maybe he's just not there develop, developmentally yet, and and that's fine if he's getting plenty of time down in the G League. That's okay. Um, Porter seems to be kind of the guy they trust a little bit more, but Bates was a guy that I thought we kind of got a steal on, and mm-hmm. he could play the wing position and be a guy that could really score the basketball um, and then hopefully – kind of develop his defensive side of his game, but it doesn't really seem like they're using him and they're kind of going more experience versus like maybe the youth side of it. So, Yeah, I think they're kind of trying to find a balance there. And like you said, they've definitely leaned more on Craig Porter. I think more kind of just due to injuries being that, you know, Garland was hurt for a while. We've had Ty Jerome out for a long time. Of course, Rick Rubio is not with the team, so they kind of needed that more point guard type. Um, but even just looking, I mean, I'm not watching. I can't say I'm watching G League games, but I I see I follow the charge, you know, on on Twitter. Um, so I, I see a lot of highlights. Amani Bates has been killing it down in the G League. He's been scoring really well. I think it is the defense right now. I know JV Bakerstaff's very defensive focused, so I think that's probably right now why he's not up with with the main club a little bit more um but i think i think hopefully he'll get some more opportunities and um with a lot of the injuries too like i said a lot of them actually haven't been to the wings so i think that's why you know i don't think we would have saw craig porter as much as we have um but he kind of also showcased in his minutes and he kind of earned those minutes so i'd love to keep seeing him but yeah i would like to see Ivani, um you know get his opportunities when possible he's definitely a good scorer. I think a lot of people said he was going to be a selfish player. He hasn't shown that so far, um, you know, through the preseason, through the summer league where they won the summer league tournament. Um, and he was a big part of that. Um, so that's been big. I think, um, I think it's interesting talking about that, that wing position and that three position of kind of the area of need. Cause of course they have Struess and he starts at the three, but he really has kind of been playing more of a guard type role um, he normally plays, I feel like, a lot with either Mitchell or Garland off the court. And um, he's been really good in that role. Like you said, especially that <laughs> Pistons game that we saw, I think he had over 20 points. He was amazing. 
he's been great, not just scoring, but also assisting the ball. He has a really good chemistry with Mobley. Um, they have a good pick and roll together, but um, he's not, he hasn't been that pure, just like wing. I don't think. Um, and yeah, I don't, there's not a whole lot of great guys that are available and also that the Cavs could get without giving up too much. The only one that comes to my head who I wanted in the off season was um, Royce O'Neal from the Nets played, used to play with, with Mitchell back on the jazz. Um, and just for the fact that he is a good, a good shooter, he's not really a scorer per se, but he's a good shooter and he's long and there's a really good defender. So I think that just gives them like another option, um, you know, where they can get Struce out there for more points, but if they need more defense, they can go to him, but they, I don't know, kind of have that with their Coro minus the shooting, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting. I, I think it'll be really good, like you said, to s- hopefully see this team now fully put together or close to fully put together, um, you know, throughout this next stretch before the trade deadline and, you know, see where the actual strengths and weaknesses are with everyone healthy. Um, and I think that'll show a lot more. And like you said, if it's still kind of a struggling time by the, by the trade deadline, I think they'll definitely have to look at themselves in the mirror and make some moves. Um, but I, I do think they have some kind of options, you know, to make some tweaks that, that can work for the team. So, um, yeah. I'm still optimistic on them, but, uh, definitely it's just been hard to judge right now. Yeah, it's tough. And the other thing too, is like, I don't, I don't think like, I, I don't think you need to rely on Amani Bates defensively. I think you need, you need that offense off the bench. I think like you could, you could totally take some minutes away from Okoro and Niang and, and give that to Imani Bates and, and get him up to maybe close to that, like 15 minutes. Um, And when he's on the floor, you just, you just tell him like, just go score, just go do your thing. Like, yeah, you know, play, play as good as defense as you can, but really honestly, you're there to give us a lift off the bench scoring wise. Mm-hmm. Like if, if he can get 15 minutes a game and, and maybe get around like nine, 10 points or something like that while he's playing, like, and just be efficient. I think that's really what you could utilize him as. Um, and he could probably play next to either Garland or Mitchell, right? You could take one mm-hmm. of those guys off and put him out there. Um, or even Struess. Like, I just, I don't know. I think that you have to have some sort of more offensive output. And the other thing, too, that I didn't mention, but you need to have a clear, like, facilitator. I think... Mm-hmm. With the injuries, it's probably been tough because you've had guys in and out. So, like, Donovan Mitchell's been probably playing some point guard as well, too. But if Darius Garland isn't going to be a prolific scorer, then he has to be a prolific passer. He can't mm-hmm. be, he can't be, I don't want to say 20 points a night is mid, but for what you need him to be, you can't be, you can't be average at both, right? For your position. Like, you have to be really good at something you know, an average at the other or vice. Like it just, I don't know. He, he has to either average closer to 10 assists a game, or I need him to average closer to 24 or 25 points a game. Like I, I just, I think that's where he needs to be at at this point in his career. Um, And I do really think that the Cavs need to at the, towards a trade deadline. If this really isn't working, like if they start to get healthy, they need to ask themselves, then they need, you know, who is it that we want to build this team around? And then they mm-hmm. need to go ask Donovan Mitchell if he's going to stay. 
You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing too, is like not saying that I want to blow it up, but mm-hmm. I do think eventually it's going to come down to who are you going to build it around? And, you know, can you get something for the others that you're not going to keep? Like, are you good? You're not going to be able to keep Jared Allen and Mobley and Garland and Mitchell all together. So that's, that's the biggest thing. Like who, who is it that's going to be on their way out? And if this really isn't working and we're sitting in that eighth spot towards a trade deadline, like who is it that you can move that you can bring a piece in that might be able to help you win? Um, Maybe not this year, but next year. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as I, I, as much as I love Jared Allen, I think he would kind of be the piece just in terms of the contract and the fact that, you know, we've seen when Allen's been out, Mobley has been able to play center um, and has been somewhat successful in that role. So, um, but like you said, it, it also depends on what the outlook is with, with Donovan Mitchell. And I think some of that, like earlier in this past summer, was kind of blown out of proportion. Uh, I think because they lost to the Knicks, I think a lot of people, you know, and he's from New York, I think a lot of people blew some of that out of the water. But, you know, the further we get to to the end of his contract, of course, then it, it starts to, you know, go up in terms of the worry meter a little bit. So, um, yeah, but we'll be, we'll be watching, of course, the Cavs as they continue on through the season. And we'll be keeping you all updated here on Nothing But Net on our on our home team segment. So that'll transition us right here into our third quarter, which is where we'll kind of touch on our big news stories um, since the last recording. And we talked about it at the top, but um, I think the in-season tournament has been a big point of discussion. Um, So right now, as we're recording, uh, the Pacers are playing the Celtics in the first game of the knockout round. Um, And then on the other side of East, it's the number one seeded Bucks versus the number four seed Knicks. Um, and these seeds are based off of their group play, not their, you know, regular season seeding. Um, and then on the West, it's the two-seeded Kings versus the three-seeded Pelicans and the one-seeded Lakers versus the four-seeded Suns. So in a second, we'll talk about kind of maybe some of our predictions for the in-season tournament. But I wanted to ask you, and especially, um, you know, that we both were able to see one of these group play games in person. What have your thoughts been about the in-season tournament? Do you have you seen it as successful so far? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on, you know, how it's gone so far. First, I just want to say the uh, I don't know if you saw the the score or not yet, but uh, the Pacers are winning ninety four to eighty seven right now with uh, about yeah. eight minutes left. So that should be a it'll be a fun game coming down towards the end. Um, mm-hmm. But for the in season tournament, I do um, I don't know. I mean. I, I think that you look at Milwaukee and you look at Phoenix and you look at Boston and you're like, okay, I mean, that makes sense that they're there. You know what I mean? Like these were teams that were going to win regardless. Um, And then you look at like Sacramento, New Orleans, Indiana, New York. um, Those are teams that want to, I think want to win this because they, they have something to prove, especially like New Orleans, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, we're not really doing great season wise, but like if we can if we can win this in season tournament, I think that that matters. That means something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the Lakers, and this is a team that I just didn't know if they would take it seriously. But I guess you know maybe I should have thought differently. Like this is the first in season tournament ever. Mm-hmm. This is probably maybe one of 
three that LeBron's ever going to be able to compete for. So he probably wants this one bad. And it does mm-hmm. seem like during these in these games that they play harder than they do during any other yeah. game. <laughs> um, so it it is very interesting. Um, and I think it's good for it. Like, I think it's, it's good when you see somebody like LeBron who clearly doesn't really need to care about something like this, mm-hmm. care about it. And I think it's good for the tournament in general. I think it's good for the rest of the league. And, you know, when you get a game against Phoenix in LA, like that should be like a fun game <laughs> to play. Now, obviously, like who knows if they're going to sit, you know, if D book or Kevin Durant sit or whatever it happens or they're hurt or whatever it may be. But um, hurt in quotation marks, you know, I, got an injury, I can't play, but um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I do. I do like it. It's something different. I like how they worked it into the schedule. So it's not like extra games. Yeah. There's only one extra right. game. And that's if you make it to the championship. I think uh, I think that was really well thought out and planned. Um, Because I think the biggest thing was like, oh, they're going to make them play more games. But no, it's all worked into it. So it's really just a part of the regular season. It's just some of them are different. Um, I think the courts need reworked. <laughs> not that I like hate them, but... I thought everybody would have a different court, but it was just the same thing. I don't know. It's the first year of it. If the court is the worst part of it, that's probably mm-hmm. me just being nitpicky about it. But um, <laughs> I don't know. It's a it's just they weren't very. I don't know. They could have been a little better. <laughs> but other yeah. than that, I am excited about it. I think as long as people take it seriously um, and they actually play hard for it, then I think that it'll make it worth watching. You know what I mean? Those little group play games, these mm-hmm. knockout games, like, um, and the fact that it counts towards your regular season record as well is what I think makes people play hard for it as well, too. Cause they're like, well, we can't drop these four or five games. Right. Like that's not going to help us. Um, so I, I do think that that, that matters. Yeah. I, I actually think that's the biggest piece of why it's why it's been so successful um and i think like you said a lot of times when this was very early on in discussions and people have talked about it hypothetically for several years now it's like well you know why are people going to care about this tournament that doesn't count for anything it doesn't mean anything and like you said it's it's extremely smart the way they did it in that they kept it as a part of the regular season and so we're not going to see you know we didn't see in group play games we didn't really see like LeBron sitting out. We didn't really see, you know, KD sitting out. There was some injuries, but that was no different than it would have been for a regular season game, which I think was a huge vital piece of it. And whoever had that idea, um, I think definitely needs a raise or, <laughs> you know, something in terms of from the NBA. But I've, I've been loving it so far. I think, I think it's been successful in the fact that people are talking about these games, people are talking about it, and people... I mean, I don't think official like ratings or anything have come out for any of these games yet, but from just what I can see, it seems like people are watching um, more than they would on a normal November NBA game that might not matter for much otherwise. Um, specifically, I, I'm thinking back to that last group play night. I think it was the Friday night. Um, and 
you know, watching those games where the Celtics, you know, were were destroying the Bulls, but they kept playing, they kept their starters in because of the point differential. Um, that made it something really unique where, you know, you were kind of, at least I was bouncing around between games because it was like, well, you know, if the Celtics win by 23, they can win, but the Cavs were also playing Atlanta and they were still in there and they started to pull away at the end. So I was like, do the Cavs have a chance to maybe sneak in? And and they didn't end up because, you know, the Knicks got their differential and everything. And then it was like the Kings against the Warriors, that last game that night, it was like the Warriors or the Kings only need to lose by 11 or less. And then they were down big the whole game and they came back and, and still won it. Um, so I think that aspect of it was really interesting. Um, and the only thing that I would change is, and I don't know how possible this could be logistically, but if somehow they were able to make it so that even that final game counts in the regular season standings in some way, because um, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would it would be a big bummer if we get to that game and then you know people start to sit out. And that would just kind of, even though it's been so fun so far, that would put a huge like sour taste in my mouth. So I think they'd, they, I would love to see them be able to have that game count. You know, maybe they can do it since it's West versus East. You know, I don't know. Maybe they only schedule or maybe they just, you know, whenever those teams were going to face off later on, if they end up facing in the final, that game just, you know, gets canceled or whatever, or, you know, things get moved around a little bit, but I think it's been really fun so far. I've liked it a lot. Again, I think it's kind of added some meaning to these November games where there isn't normally a lot of meaning. I know a lot of people say that all oh, NBA really starts at like Christmas time, right? Or some people even say not until after the all-star break. Well, at least I think this gives some, some uh, importance to these November games. And it's been really impressive how much the players have cared. And I think, a lot of that trickles down from the stars. Like you said, LeBron has seemed to really care about it. Tyrese Halliburton, who's playing right now, has talked about how much, you know, Indiana doesn't get TV time, national TV games. And so they want to show, you know, the world. And that's that was a big piece of why they wanted to qualify so they could get these national TV games and show, you know, the country that they're a really good team. Um, and I think it's really a good mix of teams, too, where you have the Lakers, the Knicks, or sorry, yeah, the the big markets like the Lakers, the Knicks, um, Boston, even Phoenix to an extent. But then you also have the young teams that are in small markets like the Pacers, the Pelicans, the Kings. So it's a good mix of like big market, small market, young team, um, you know, contender. And so I think it's it's really a, a good first year for it. Um, and I'm excited to see, especially how these knockout games go because i think there's been added intensity just to the group play games so i have to imagine these knockout games you know if they're close down at the end are going to feel somewhat maybe close to a playoff game which i think will be exciting for all of us to see yeah there's one thing that i think might make it interesting and because we talked about the injuries and stuff at the beginning of the season, you know, especially for the Cavs, but a lot of their teams are dealing with injuries as well too Mm. and i'm wondering because i feel like they started maybe they gave it like two or three weeks and then they started the in-season tournament. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if like to bring a little bit more juice to it, if like one of the Christmas day games was the championship game or maybe, yeah. yeah. Or maybe even like, like a new year's day, like the Mm -hmm. day, the only game on new year's day is the championship game for the in-season tournament. 
and you kind of move it back a little bit. So you're still playing group play games in November um, and you're maybe even into December, but you're also giving teams more time to, I guess, get that ability to play together a little bit more, get through that injury bug at the end of the season. So then those games do look a little bit better too. Cause I do Mm -hmm. think some of them you look at and you're like, Oh, well, like we wouldn't watch that Pistons game against the Cavs and Donovan Mitchell didn't get to play. We still won, but like you would want him to be a part of that. You know what I mean? To to bring, to keep that star power there for those at least specific games um, to draw that attention into those games as well too. So I think if you, if you gave them a little bit more time, because at the beginning of the season, those first, that first like month, there's just so many, like not like crazy season ending injuries with so many tacky injuries just because everybody's Mm -hmm. getting ramped back up and started and like you know they're being a little bit more cautious because it's the beginning of the season and i think if you you gave it a couple more weeks and then you started that group play stage you'd get a better understanding of what the teams actually are they'd get a little bit more time to play together they'd get more time to be you know hopefully get healthy then you'd have better quality games um you might have some teams that strategize a little bit differently about it. Um, and then, yeah, I think like a Christmas Day or New Year's Day championship game, you know, national spotlight would be, I don't know if you want to do New Year's Day because you'd probably be competing with like college yeah, football, but, but Christmas Day, Christmas, do one of the Christmas Day games as the championship. I think that would be, that'd be pretty fun. You're only pushing it back like, maybe a week or two. So mm-hmm. it really wouldn't change much with it, but yeah, it'd be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. Um, and I didn't mention much on the courts, but some of them are definitely better than others. Um, the red, I think the worst are just the red, the red courts, something about it just like hurts to watch. And it's like the ball, you kind of, it gets lost sometimes because it's like the orange ball against the red court. So if anything, if you're going to keep up the crazy courts, I say get rid of the red completely. Um, I think it was like the Bulls and the Sixers had completely red courts and it just, it just was not it. It was not it. But I did want to ask if you had any any picks for who you think is going to be in the finals and then who might ultimately win the in-season tournament and I guess the first NBA Cup, which it will eventually be called. It was kind of tough. I don't know because, you know, like right now the – we kind of, I don't know what the score is now, but the Pacers are playing hard for this one. They want it. You know what I mean? I think you're going to see like the Pacers, the Knicks, the Pelicans, the Kings, like they're really going to want this because they want to prove something. Like you said, like Indiana Mm -hmm. doesn't have very many televised games like that. And like, I think New York probably has more than them, but a lot Mm -hmm. of people are still questioning whether or not the Knicks are a real contender. Um, so I think they, they want this to be like, Hey, like we're here, you know, I think Sacramento is the same way. Like even, even I question them and other people have, you know what I mean? Can they continue to take a step forward or are they going to take a step back? I think they have something to prove. I think, you know, Zion has something to prove like, Hey, I can Mm -hmm. stay healthy and I'm ready to be the superstar that everybody thought I could be. Um, but I don't know. I I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it ends up being something like, it it ends up being like Lakers, Knicks or something like that. Like I don't really know who comes out of the East because I just don't know. 
what Milwaukee's going to be able to do. I think Milwaukee would be a fun team to be in the championship, but I don't know. Sometimes it works out that way where it's like big market teams, but I think LeBron wants this one um, because he's, that's going to be something that he's going to be able to say that he has that, that nobody else, you know, has about it. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Lakers and, and Knicks in the championship. I like it. I like it. That's um, that's interesting. And I think um, as we're recording here, let's see what it is. So Pacers are up three with a minute 30 left to go on against Celtics. Um, so like you said, they're definitely, they're definitely pushing hard for it. And um, yeah, I think I'd kind of like to see some of these young teams get it. I do think the Lakers will be motivated, um, but especially because I think, you know, maybe they're, hopeful contentions lay lay in the playoffs more so than this. So I don't know. I kind of, if the Pacers get the win, I could really see them making a run to the, to the finals with, you know, as the Celtics are like, probably most people would say one of the top teams, you know, in the league right now. And I feel, I feel good about the Pelicans because they're playing the Kings tonight and they actually have beaten the Kings like two times in the last two weeks. So they seem to kind of have their number a little bit. And like you said, I think they just have something to prove. I think, you know, they've had a lot of expectations. A lot of people have been down on them. A lot of people, you know, were really down on Zion. Um, and yeah, I think they have a lot to prove. I think they're a good, fun, young team. And I think they might see this as an opportunity to kind of gain some momentum. And I think they're about a little over 500 right now. There might be, I think they're like 11 and nine, similar to the Cavs. Um, so yeah, I think they see this as a big opportunity to, to grab some momentum and then make a further push you know, into the playoffs. So I don't know. I see, I see Pacers, Pelicans. I, I think maybe Pelicans would pull it out in the end. Um, Cause Pacers just have no defense. Uh, they just, they just run. <laughs> um, but either way, I think it's going to be very fun, very entertaining. Um, you know, and I'm excited to, excited to watch. So I'll shift us into our, our last segment of the show, which is our fourth quarter, which is our, our game time segment. Um, and this is where, we can talk about how each of us felt was the best game of the last two weeks um, or potentially if we agree on that and what game we're most excited to watch in the next upcoming week. So um, the game that I chose for the best game the last two weeks was just a couple days ago. It might have been, might have been last night even uh, or two nights ago, um, but it was the Thunder against the Mavericks. Um, and this game was very weird because the Thunder got out to a extremely fast start um, they were they were up big against the Mavericks, and then they actually allowed the Mavericks to go on a thirty to zero run, <laughs> um, and they still won. The Thunder still ended up winning after giving up a thirty to zero run, and that run by the Mavericks was the the biggest run you know without allowing a basket from the other team in the play by play era, which is when NBA started tracking like runs and those kind of things, which is since nineteen ninety six. It lasted from basically the beginning of the fourth quarter until four minutes left. The Mavericks scored 30 points. The Thunder did not score at all. Um, but at the end, the Thunder were able to, to get a couple clutch baskets and um, kind of sneak away with it still at the end. So I think it's kind of, even though they gave up a big run, still kind of impressive that they were able to, to hold on. But it was just a really fun game. Um, really shows that they always say that basketball is a game of runs. And I think this this game was that to the, highest degree um so i enjoyed watching it if if anyone listening hasn't seen it i would definitely at least check out the highlights if you can um 
you know, Luca, of course, had a, had a great game, as he always does. Derek Lively had a really good game um, as, you know, a rookie center. Um, so it was, a, it was a fun game to watch. But um, did you have a game that you wanted to shout out as one of the best games you've seen recently? Or, um, you know, if it's this game, if you want to add any other thoughts on that? Um, I don't know if it's like the best game. I, I do think probably that that Thunder Mavs game is that's the best game that has probably happened over the past week or two. Um, you have two teams that I don't know. I, I think the Kyrie experiment with Dallas, like they really want it to work and, and Luca is, is a monster. So clearly they're going to win some games and, and the Thunder, I, I just had this feeling that they were going to, do this you know especially mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season that they were going to really pull away um and then give themselves a big enough lead to where even if they kind of cooled off that they would still finish hopefully in the top six um i think i even had them finishing second in the west so i just think that um that yeah they're they're a young team and they're gonna play some of these games where it's not gonna look pretty and hopefully they learn from that and they grow from that. So when they get to the playoffs, they have a baseline. So maybe they can make it out of the first round and get some playoff experience. And then going into next year, they can really be uh, be title contenders in the West. So, but the the one that I'll, I'll just kind of go over, and it's the most recent one, and that's just gonna be the Lakers Rockets game. You know, mm-hmm. even Doka gets ejected. Um, Entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I I do think that like. You know, I was watching Sports Center and and Stephen A. Smith, you know, was I know he's got to take any chance that he can get to kind of put LeBron down because he's a Michael Jordan guy. I get it, you know, but he made the comment like, oh, he didn't call you. I'll actually be able to say it because we don't work for ESPN. It doesn't really matter. But, you know, he he's basically saying that Ima Doka didn't really call LeBron a bitch, but he did. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. you go, oh, you're acting like a bitch that means you're calling him a bitch right. you know what i mean like we're like we're not all children here we understand that ima doka like the fact that Stephen a smith was trying to spin this web like oh he said you're acting like it he didn't say you are a bitch like okay whatever so like yeah all, all lebron said was hey man don't call me a bitch like <laughs> yeah that's which i feel like is completely like understandable you know lebron could have ignored it i get it right you know, but then Ima Adoka, as as a coach, as a person in his position, like he's supposed to be a leader of men. You know what I mean? I know that there might be some bad blood there from when he played against LeBron. Like LeBron's the only guy in the league right now where he's playing against coaches that he yeah. <laughs> played against in the league. You know what I mean? Where he probably actively talked shit to them on the court <laughs> and now he has to play against them or he's they're even his coaches. You know what I mean? So I think that he just has a different his life is so different than everybody else. It's like, I just don't know what else to yeah. say about it. Um, so clearly there's probably something there that is from the past, but I just think that Emi, Emi, yeah, he, he has to be better as a coach. Like you can't, you can't be like doing the back and forth. Like, Oh, what are you going to do? Like, you're not going to do anything. You know what I mean? Like kind of posturing and like clearly. Yeah. Cause like, what did he want LeBron to do? Like, did he want LeBron to actually go up and throw hands with him? Probably He's not going not. to. Yeah, I just... Right. And and again, it's just, it's just, to me, everybody's looking at LeBron like he's he's the immature bad one in this one. And you're like, he's the player. 
Right. <laughs> Kimi Adoka's the coach. Like, I think we forget that. Like, that's it doesn't matter how long LeBron's been in the league. It doesn't matter his mm-hmm. status. It doesn't matter how you feel about him in the greatest of all time conversation. He's he's the player. Right. <laughs> Kimi Adoka's the coach. You ha- he has to be better. You know what I mean? You can't you're not the you're not a player anymore. You can't talk shit. I'm sorry. That's just, <laughs> that is what it is. If you want to talk shit, then do it off the court or even be passive aggressive about it in a press conference. But you can't actively talk crap to somebody in the game. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. So that's the one that kind of really sticks out to mind just because I, I think and LeBron was just walking all over them anyway. So I don't understand. Mm-hmm. It just was so confusing. Like, why why even poke the bear to begin with? And <laughs> you have no leg to stand on because you were getting you were getting destroyed. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that one was goofy to me. You might have been learning from Dylan Brooks on how to poke the bear there, but um yeah, it, it clearly doesn't work. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people that I've seen like, oh, he's just trying to pump up his team and like, sure, but also you can do that in the huddle, you know. You can say what you want in the huddle. You're probably not going to get out there, most likely. Um, but also, like, he has Dylan Brooks on his team. Like, he has the guy that can do that on the court, so he doesn't have to do it as a coach. Like, if if he made it like, hey, start, like, you know, calling LeBron, you know, not to say calling LeBron a bitch, but if he's, like, if he starts saying, hey, try to get in LeBron's head, I think Dylan Brooks probably would have no problem doing that for his coach. So, it was just weird to kind of see, but it, it definitely was entertaining. And so it made for a good game and it made for a good storylines, definitely for sure, for sure afterwards. And yeah, it, it is interesting. The point you brought up with, yeah, like LeBron played against this guy in the league. He played against a lot of these coaches, assistant coach. I, I think he even played against Darvin Ham, who is his coach now. Um, yeah. Once again, and, that, his, so. and that's just something I don't know. Like you won't really see that much you don't right. see it often, you know what I mean? Like, there's not very many guys who play as many seasons as LeBron has, and I don't know. So, I mean, like, you have, well, you have Ty Lue, you have Darvin Ham, mm-hmm. you have Ime Adoka, like, um... I think Jason Kidd even overlapped. Um, yeah, Jason like, Kidd, he had some, he probably played a couple years against, like, Steve Nash when he was coaching, like, he yeah. played some <laughs> years against Steve, you know what I mean? So, it's just like, right. we're entering that, like, isn't, is Chauncey Billups a coach, or is he a mm-hmm. GM? Yeah, Chauncey yeah. Billups. Portland. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're just like again, it's just it's a different perspective, and like I do think that people have to kind of look at that and be like, okay, like these guys are going to talk trash to him, but again, you're you're the head coach of a basketball team, right? You're not playing against him anymore. Like you said, you look at one of your guys and be like, go, go call the <laughs> bitch for me. Like I don't know, I don't know what you want, like. Yeah. What you wanted out of that interaction, like he was always going to get tossed out of the game, right? Not ten times out of ten because he's supposed to be held to a higher standard, like yeah. And he was the kind of, no, I wouldn't say aggressor, but he's the one that kind of started it. So, like, yeah. what did you expect when you say some out of pocket shit and somebody goes, <laughs> "Hey, like, please don't do that." Like LeBron was kind of nice about it. He could have came over yeah. and like, "How about I?" kill you like, like I don't, you know what i mean he didn't do that he was just like hey can you not curse at me like or call me names that would be nice and then cool. imadoka was like what are you gonna do 
what are you going to do about it? Ugh. Like LeBron was going to like throw hands Yeah. at 40 years old. He's like, <laughs> am I the most mature one in this situation? I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> um, well, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like we said, an entertaining game. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, next time they, they face off, if there's any, you know, bad blood, hopefully not, but we'll, we'll see how things go, especially with Dylan Brooks being there. There's always, there's always that entertaining factor between those two teams. Um, but I think, you know, that kind of wraps us up here. I think we look forward to, um, in, in terms of, we like to shout out the most exciting game coming up in the next two weeks. I think for me, I just kind of thought these in-season tournament games in general, these knockout games, the final that's going to be coming up on December 9th. Um, I think I'm, I'm just super excited. Obviously, we don't know who's going to be in that final, but I think any mix of the teams that are there, I think will be an interesting um you know, an interesting matchup and we'll have some, some good stakes behind it. And, you know, the players, we didn't mention it yet, but they get $500,000 each player who wins. So, um, you know, even if you're a millionaire, $500,000 is a lot of money. So (laughs) they're still going to be, they're still going to get up for it, especially the, you know, guys are playing for their, for their minimum contract teammates to make that money too. I think that LeBron has mentioned that a couple of times, like, Hey, um, you know, it might not mean that much to me, but I'm playing for my teammates to get that money who are on low contracts, um, which that could be like LeBron wants that money. This is a man that listens to Spotify with ads. So he 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 wants wants the 500 (laughs) (laughs) that puts him 500 K closer to buying a team. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Hey, he wants that one in Vegas. So we'll see. But I think that kind of wraps us up here for, for this edition of nothing but net presented by deep dive sports. Um, I think if anyone's listening, maybe if you want to give your thoughts on the in-season tournament, how you've appreciated it, you know, in the comments, if you've seen this on social media, maybe if you have any thoughts on who you think will end up uh, winning that NBA Cup um, and being the first winner of the in-season tournament, um, I think it'd be interesting to hear those thoughts. But other than that, this has been Nothing But Net presented by Deep Dive Sports, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another Deep Dive Sports show. Make sure to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content. Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, Deep Dive Sports listeners. 